and still in chapter 12. So last week we talked about money. And if you missed it and you want to listen, you can listen to it online. We talked about what Jesus teaches us about being rich towards him, about being connected to our purpose in, in life, which is to shine Jesus, uh, to live in generosity. And after Jesus talked about that parable of the rich fool and how he wasn't connected to his community and to the call of being uh, someone who is sharing the resources of God with God's people— uh, he goes on, Jesus does, to teach about worry. And we all know that passage. Do not worry. Consider the lilies. Consider the ravens. God will provide all of these things. If you are somebody who is striving for the kingdom, that's the call. Strive for the kingdom and all of these things will be added unto you. We could have sang that song, couldn't we? We're not, that's not our passage for today, though. Our passage for today follows those two. Jesus is just continuing with his teaching. So this is all part of the same message. We're still in some way talking about money, and we're still in some way talking about the kingdom. And so we're going to hear these words now from Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 32. Do not be afraid, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master to return from the wedding banquet so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. This is the word of the Lord. So God, as we think now on these words that you taught, Holy Spirit, we open our minds, our hearts, our ears, our souls, our whole beings to know what it means to be in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Do not be afraid, little flock. Do not be afraid, the most often, what? Command of scripture. Do not be afraid. And the second, do you remember? Pop quiz. Give thanks. Do not be afraid and give thanks. The two most often repeated commands in Scripture. And we get both of those commands here today, but we get them in a different way. We don't hear a specific give thanks command, but we hear a life that is a picture of giving thanks. Do not be afraid, little flock, so much to the point that you can sell things that you have so that you might give the money 
of the profit of selling the things you have to charity. Alms are charitable gifts. It's a fancy word to talk about giving to people who are doing good kingdom work in the world. So don't be like the rich fool who took what the land of God gave him and stored in your barns, but share what you do not need for your own sustenance with the people that God has surrounded you with, doing the kingdom work that God is doing through them. Sell your possessions and make yourself a purse and a treasure that will not ever run out, break, wear down, be destroyed, or stolen. Sell your possessions so that you might use them to be rich towards God. Sell your own stuff so that others might know the goodness of God meeting their needs. Do you see how all of those things connect to our story from last week? You can share, because it's not yours to begin with. You can share because the generosity of God is that he will give you what you need. It's not always up to us to provide for ourselves, but to trust. And that is so mind-boggling for us to actually live and believe Because we are responsible for ourselves. It goes against all of these narratives. And there are some way that these things have to hold intention with one another. And that's where the story about the watchful slaves comes in. Because the watchful slaves are doing their job. These people work in a household for a master. And it is their job to serve that master. It is their income. It is their means of work and vocation. And they're called to always be ready and at their job. Be watchful. And it's not like me who I just went back and turned the lights on and off to keep the lamps lit around 0 A.D., Because back then they had to replenish the oil and make sure that the oil wasn't running out when you didn't know when your boss was coming home. So you had to make sure the lights were going to stay on and then stay on after you left him alone. So you need to make sure he's provided for in that way. You had to continuously be adjusting the wicks on the lights, the lamp. Sorry, I got distracted by the fly. So always at the ready to serve and meet the needs of the master because the master is at a party and he's going to come home at some point. So be ready. So dress. In, so the, the description is there to be dressed, but it's actually belt your tunic. So, you know, they wore long, everybody wore kind of like long rope type clothing. And if you've ever like walked around in one of those, you know, it's not necessarily the easiest and you got to get it out of the way. So you would tie it up so that you could go and work. It'd be like the equivalent of us telling somebody to put their boots on because you got to go out and milk the cows. So always have your boots at the ready to put on. I'm from dairy country, so that image works for me, but maybe it doesn't work for you. I'm realizing too. Uh, So maybe think of whatever your own equivalent is. 
You might think, uh, always be ready for a guest to come to your house. What do you do when you're waiting for somebody to come? You make sure the porch light is on. You make sure you're dressed to receive people, not just wearing your house coat. Right? You're anticipating. What do you, go, what do, you do when you go to the movies and the, the previews are on? You expectantly wait through the previews knowing the thing that you really want is still coming. But you expectantly wait. You know it's going to happen. And lately it feels longer and longer and longer for that to happen. And there's more and more to do as you wait to keep yourself busy. But people who are waiting for the master in our story today are keeping themselves busy by going about the work that they have been called and hired to do. The work that is set before them. And when I think about this story, I feel like every time I've read the story, I've taken away the message of the be ready, right? The be ready. The be ready for Jesus because Jesus is coming back. But I've somehow missed this beautiful picture of what happens when the master comes. What happens when the master comes and the slaves have been ready for him? We get a beatitude. Blessed are those slaves who are ready to receive and to serve their master. And why are they blessed? They are blessed because their master becomes their servant. Blessed are they who are ready to serve because they will be served. Blessed are the servants because God is their servant. The party, okay, let me put it this way. Why is the master knocking at his own house? Huh. What if this picture that we're being given is that the party is actually at this master's house? The party is at his house, and he departs from the party to go back to his private chambers where his servants are waiting, and he knocks quietly so as to not interrupt the party that's happening. And what does he do when he gets there? He ties up his tunic. He belts himself and becomes their servant. He has them sit down, and he puts before him the, them the feast of the wedding banquet. His party, he brings that party to his servants. He serves them. He becomes like them. He takes on the form of a slave and humbles himself to bless them. Isn't that a better picture than like, be ready, because he's coming? The picture that we're given of this master is that he is an exceptional master. An exceptional master who does this very surprising, unpredictable thing of love and kindness and goodness and blessing. This master who comes 
and serves the servants. This master who comes and serves the lowest of the low, the people who weren't even good enough to serve at the party. This master who comes and gives them more than they could ask or imagine for. And servants who are at the ready for that kind of master are not at the ready because they are afraid of what might happen if they weren't there ready. Servants who serve that kind of master know that they are loved and cherished and cared for. Servants of that kind of master are eager to serve that master. What does Paul, the Apostle Paul, continuously do? He continuously calls himself a slave of God. A servant of God. A servant of Jesus. Jesus who is called our Lord. A title for someone who is our master. It's tricky. It's tricky language. Tricky language because people have used and abused this servant and master language against other people. And how does this fit with money? But servants who loathe the love of their master, who are eager to be about their master's work, who are expectant of their master's return, are blessed because they are served by their master, who takes on the form of a slave, taking on human likeness, And humbling himself to death, even death on a cross. And yet the service and the servanthood of Jesus as our Lord and as our master goes beyond the gift of salvation. And our call to be at the ready is much more than just a call to be ready for Christ to return. Our call to be at the ready is to be at the work that Christ has set before us as the Lord and master of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom is here and all around us and our daily lives are our, is our act of servitude to God. So to be at the ready is to be at the work of living the Christ-like life in our everyday life. And to do so expecting to encounter the Lord, Savior, Master, Jesus in that work. To do so in such a way that we expect to encounter the goodness of God and to be served through our own service. How is it that we know the blessing and beatitude in our own experience? And I'm not just talking for Leslie and for Joel and for Pastor Kelly and Lindsay and Murray and myself, people who have incomes tied to doing kingdom work, but I'm talking about you You doing kingdom work. You doing kingdom work in the jobs 
that you hold, in the relationships that you have, in the families that you raise and show love and support to? And how does Jesus show up to give you the gifts of the treasures in heaven? How are you turning your workplaces into places where you can invest in people's lives with the goodness of God, with the, being an agent of God's love? And even if they don't receive it, you can treasure people in that way to know yourself the work of Christ in that place. So what does all this have to do with money? It's about the focus. Jesus pairs all of these teachings that he's been doing about money and not fearing and being generous with the fact that the focus is on the kingdom of God and seeking him and serving him. The focus is not on how much money we're going to make or what we're going to do with that money or... um, what it allows us to do, the focus is on something much smaller and much bigger at the same time. The focus is on how in this moment and what I am doing, an expectant servant of Jesus. How in this moment am I expecting Jesus to show up? And what does my life look like because of that? It is big and it is little. It is in the way that you use your money. It is in the way that you use your free time. It is in the way that you do the work that you are paid to do. It is in the way that you view that work. And it is in that way that you view the people around you. The focus is on our Lord and what he would have us do. Paul, the slave of God, describes in more than one place that we work as though we are working for the Lord because he is our master who we wait for. So do not be afraid, little flock, because we have not only a good father who gives us everything we need. Remember, that's from a few weeks ago. We have a good Savior who has provided and secured that fear is gone. And we have an exceptional master in Jesus Christ who has gifted us with the opportunity to live his kingdom now here in our everyday lives. So yeah, money is a thing, but it is not the thing. Success is a thing, but it is not the thing. Striving and reaching a a certain peak in our career is a thing, but it is not the thing. The thing is Jesus, who is our good master, who has showed us the way of service, and who invites us to serve him, and by serving him, know him as the servant. Let's pray. God, it is uh, sometimes difficult to understand and imagine some of these things, 
And so we do pray, Holy Spirit, that uh, you will be at work in this coming week in particular to help us to consider the ways that we might shift our focus to you in all things and help us to know uh, how we might live that out in word and deed. Help us to understand uh, that we don't have to do that by just talking about you, but we can do it in the quality of the work that we do and the relationships that we invest in and the love that we show and the presence that we have with other people and the way that we pray that there are a myriad of options because you are an uh, infinite God of goodness and you are the fount of every blessing. But how we have to do first this work of laying ourselves down and laying the, the things that we might want to hold on to, the ways that we might want to resist being your servants who are awaiting your call and your purposes. And so, Jesus, we pray Uh, most of all right now, that we will be people who are surrendering, surrendering uh, ambitions and hopes and plans, surrendering some of our extra possessions and and, uh, financial success for the good of your kingdom, surrendering our expectations and our um, opinions about the ways that that service should happen and, and Uh, life with you needs to look like and that we pray too that through all of that you will make us more open and that we will have an expectant attitude to find you at work building and doing your kingdom good in our places of work in our relationships in our homes in our lives that we will know your service to us and that we will submit to being served by you in jesus name we pray Amen.